This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. That'll do, pig. That'll do. It's Babe, and this film is lit. Oh, welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast about movies that are based on books. We have another patron request episode. Is this not? Yes. I thought it was. Um, We forgot to mention last week that it was. This is (laughs) Or during the prequel name change patron it is our name change patron who most recently was currently looking on most recently i remember it was uh this film is learning with this film is lit is my favorite class this semester or something along those lines it has changed it has changed changed. is it a babe reference now no (laughs) for your own recommendation you didn't change your name to a babe reference hang on i'm trying to pull it up but patreon's being dumb it's fine it's getting stabbed on friday but like in a good way Oh, getting your, okay, getting your vaccination. Well done. We just finished up Vax number dose, dose number two. (laughs) Vax number dose. Dose, dose. Dose number dose. Uh, And yeah, we're, we're, we're fully active 5G in one week's time. Can't (laughs) wait. Cannot wait. So we have a nice full episode as we're discussing the 1995 film Babe, which is based on a book from previous to that. I don't remember what year we said. 80-something. 80-something. We have every segment except for Lost in Adaptation, so we're going to get right into it with our first segment. Let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. The book, Babe the Gallant Pig slash the Sheep Pig, depending on where you live, follows the adventures of Babe, a little pig who comes to live on a sheep farm with Farmer Hoggett and his wife. Babe struggles to find his place on the farm, but is adopted by Fly the Sheepdog, who teaches him about sheep herding. While Babe cannot herd the sheep exactly like Fly, he discovers that by being polite and by treating the sheep with dignity, they do just as he asks. And it turns out that he's really good at sheep herding. Farmer Hoggett decides to take Babe's skills to the sheepdog trials, a contest to determine the best sheep herder. Babe the Sheep Pig is met with some skepticism, but he ends up winning the day. Magical. That's also the film. So Basically, yeah. Basically. We'll get into the differences here in just a minute, but first we have one question for Guess Who. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. The only description of a human in this book. <laughs> There are several humans in the movie. Yeah. A tall, thin, brown-faced man with very long legs. I'm going to say that that's probably Farmer Hoggett. It is Farmer Hoggett. (laughs) Seemed like he would be the only character who got a, or the only human 
too good a description. Yeah. So there you go. Nailed it. Very. I mean, the, yeah, in the film, they could. I mean, the wife could have had a description. She's a very distinct character mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, other than that, there's not really much of anybody. Yeah. Th- that, that, you know, is distinct. Everybody else is like in crowds and stuff. All right. Uh, let's get into it. I have some questions because I want to find out. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? All right, so right off the bat in this film, we get uh, a scathing indictment of the factory farming industry uh, with the opening montage of Babe's Where He's Come From. Mm-hmm. Uh, and immediately I was taken in by the way this movie shot, which we'll discuss much more later. Uh, and I, it made me wonder if that was something from the book, this, this, this thematic element of sort of a criticism of at least the factory farming industry, if not... I, I specifically the factory farming industry is what I, it, it seems most pointedly because obviously the our, our our hero character farmer Hoggett eats meat throughout the course of the movie. It's not like an indictment of all mm-hmm. meat consumption, but specifically um, the way factory farming industry uh, treats animals. And uh, it's never really come back to on too much in the film, but it is very obviously there to me, at least in the opening. And I wanted to know if that was something that you got from the book or if that was something that we got just from the movie. I would not say that the book is an indictment of the factory (laughs) farming industry that isn't brought up at all. And even kind of like the idea of being meant to be eaten isn't really presented to Babe. It kind of hovers in the background in the first half of the book because we, the audience, knows that like that's what he's meant for. But it's not like a thing, whereas in the movie, it's kind of like a reveal. It's it's like, like yeah, it's like a reveal um, to him that that it's supposed to like kind of turn his, you know, his perception of things upside down. But okay, I was just wondering, because if if there was any sort of, you know, in the beginning, if where how does Babe end up at the carnival, assuming that is where he ends up at? I mean, we don't see how he ends up there. It just opens okay, it with just him there. Opens with him there. Yeah. Okay, so yes. Yeah. So then this whole segment in the beginning of the movie, where he was on a as like in a in a factory farming mm-hmm. situation and was removed. I don't remember exactly why they. They just needed a pig, so they pulled him out. Yeah, because he was a runt or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. I thought somebody said something about him being a runt. Um, but the 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 actual the the imagery of this whole situation very clearly to me came across as. And, and the language being used mm-hmm. by the the narrator during this scene was very clearly, like I said, a, an indictment of the factory farming industry. Uh, but it would appear that is something that the movie, uh, a viewpoint that the movie brought that was not. Because I, I actually I did wonder. I was like right off the bat, I was like, well, is Dick King Smith like a vegetarian or something? Or like was I that part of his? No idea. <laughs> yeah. And I, I looked and couldn't find anything. And it sounds like that's not a theme of the book in the Mm-mm. same way. So that would not necessarily matter uh, his background there. Okay. Uh, speaking of the carnival that I just mentioned, that's how in the film, uh, babe comes to be with farmer Hoggett, farmer Hoggett's at this like carnival and there's uh, a pig in a box that you can guess the weight of. And if you get it correct or close, you know, if you're the closest to the correct weight, you win the pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but in this moment he picks up the pig and he like in the film, he like <laughs> connects with it on a spiritual level. And I want to know if that's one, if they, they have that weird moment of connection. And two, is that like how he gets babe? Yeah, that's exactly how it happens in the book. Or the pig, as he's referred to most. Yeah. When, I guess the animals call him babe. Do yes. they? Yeah. Because yeah. humans all call him just pig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that scene does 
play out exactly like that in the book. There, he's at the carnival, and there's a guess the pig's weight, win the pig contest going on. Um, and when he picks up Babe, they like stare into each other's eyes. And there you go. The the guy running the the carnival booth is like, oh, you're the first person that he hasn't like squealed yeah. when you picked him up. Yeah. Um. So everything is the same except Babe does not pee on the ground. Does that happen in the movie? Yes, it does. Okay, I missed that. I didn't remember that part. I think I was writing my note at that point. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it sounds identical. Uh, so this is just a, a broad general question about, and and so I, I think I know the answer to this, but I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to see what you thought about it because in the movie, obviously, when all the animals talk, mm-hmm. their mouths move, like. Mm-hmm. Either it's animated or it's a, a puppet, you know, like an animatronic or whatever, and their mouths move. And now I'm assuming in the book we are hearing animals' thoughts or, or right. you know, or privy to their conversations right. or whatever. And now I'm assuming – I want to know if you think in the world of the book the animals' mouths move when they speak in the same way they do in the movie or if that's just a movie ad for the visual – like for the audience, for the visualization of them uh-huh. speaking or – or what you think is going on there? Um. So the the animals do talk to each other. Okay. In the book, yeah. Uh, whether or not their mouths move is not specifically addressed. Right. I assumed not. Um, I I mean it makes sense for their mouths to move if they're like speaking to each other. Well, but it's that's the thing. I guess that's what I was trying to figure out is. Do we think they're like literally speaking out loud? Now, I think the movie addresses this, and I have a note about it later, but it makes more sense to talk about it right now. In the movie, we have a moment where we hear, we see, we were watching Babe and the, and the, um, one of the sheep, Ma, Mm -hmm. I believe, have a conversation, and then it cuts to outside, and we hear Farmer Hoggett, or we see Farmer Hoggett listening, and he, we just hear like a sheep making sheep noises. Right. Which would then be the implication there to me would be, that we're getting a translated version, essentially, mm-hmm. like what we're seeing in the film is they're making animal noises, you know, like the pig is oinking or whatever, and the sheep is making sheep sounds. Um, but during, you know, we're we're getting like the translated version of that. The only thing that makes it confusing is that their mouths move to the English words and aren't just like right random movements. I'm overthinking it, You're but overthinking I'm just it, yeah. interested. Because I don't know, I guess I guess interested whether you thought that was the same thing in the movie where, or in the book where it's like they make animal noises and you're getting the translated version in the I book. I mean, I don't see why not. That's probably what it is. Yeah. It makes the most sense. I, I mean, I think like realistically, and I am not an animal expert, don't come for me. <laughs> I, I think like in the real world, a lot of animal communication is done through like body language and like scent and things like that and especially between species that don't yeah have, and like, they're not like they're literally right like making sound like sometimes they are but oh i'm not saying yes I, and again i'm not saying that it makes sense i'm not saying that like the movie's <laughs> like th- thesis is that they have like codified language you know i'm not saying that 
but that is like the the sort of magical realism of mm-hmm. this universe is 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 saying that all of these bars and you know oinks and stuff are actually right, yeah, they're words. actually like having having a conversation whereas with in, each other yeah in reality yes like those oinks and and bars mean things but usually like I'm angry probably right. more like vague like you know sharing of emotions and stuff as opposed to like forming actual communication. <laughs> But yeah, I just thought it was interesting, and I wanted to see if the movie or the book addressed it at all, because something like that is always so fascinating. And it's kind of a controversial choice in a talking animal movie. Yeah. I feel like because I I do feel like a lot of people prefer like a homeward bound style where it's like, where it's like a voiceover, but their mouths aren't literally yeah, moving, and, and more implication of them like yeah, like they're talking, they're to, talking each other, to each but other, but it doesn't. Like we aren't seeing their yeah. mouths move. It's almost more in that instance. It almost is more like we're we're getting a translation of whatever, like the you know the the subtle body language yeah. and stuff. Like we're like we're getting a voiceover hearing that, but it's like yeah, it's just weird in the movie when their mouths move in English words, <laughs> but they're also in the universe making animal noises when they're talking like you know what i mean it's just like a little bit incongruous but it it works it's fine (laughs) it's totally fine uh so the chapter headings i thought that was interesting uh in this film we have like little sections and Mm -hmm. each of these little vignettes or sections starts with a little chapter heading uh one of them's something like pigs are definitely stupid or something like that one of them is the way things are and each time like the little mice come on and they like yeah say the name of the chapter chipmunk voices yeah uh, and I wanted to know if those are chapter headings. It's, I assume those are like chapter headings or something from uh-huh. the book. So I just wanted to see if they were. So the chapters in the book do have titles, which is a pretty common thing in children's literature. But I didn't notice that any of them were the same as what was in the movie. The farmer's wife. I just want to talk about her briefly. One, is she a character in the book? Two, her voice. I don't. And, and I, I'm realizing, as I said it, that I'm not so much asking about like the the tone of her voice which is strange in the movie but the way she like she like rambles or something like she Mm -hmm. has this weird way of this sort of strange way of speaking in the film where she like she's a lot like she's whenever she talks she like i don't even know how to describe it um but it's fascinating i want to know if you got any of that from the book or if i'm i don't know if that's like a character choice i mean she she is a character in the book i would say like the way she speaks specifically is more of a choice on the film's part okay we don't spend a ton of time with her in the book yeah like she's she's there every now and then we definitely get a lot more of her in the movie i do think it's kind of an interesting character choice because i think you could take it like one of two ways i think you could look at it as her like trying to kind of fill the silence because Farmer Hoggett is not a man of few words. Yes, he's a man of few words. He's not particularly verbose. Mm-hmm. Or you could look at it as she just talks all the time and he never really gets a word in edgewise. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could see it either way. You could also see it as more just like a, a sort of generic, like annoying wife trope yeah i'm not saying that's what it is but you could potentially read it that way of like you know him being a slightly more uh beset upon the husband character mm-hmm. you know who's just yeah another thing that we talked about throughout the course of this movie is we couldn't figure out if these people were supposed to be british or american or, <laughs> or if they're more likely intentionally like kind of vague kind of like yeah, yeah. out of time and place yeah which we'll talk a little bit more later like the out of time 
aspect of it. But yeah, I wonder if that was part of it where she almost sounds like she has like a British type of accent or something. I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like both of them they like almost have accents, yeah. but like but like not not. <laughs> And not anything that's, like, really distinctive Distin- yeah. to, like, put it to a particular place. Yeah. And I feel like, again, that does seem like it could be very intentional. Yeah. In the same way that the the setting, uh, which I'll, I have a note about later, and like I said, in time, it's setting in time is also, like, intentionally... Kind of vague. Vague. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is interesting. There's this tension um, that we find out. A babe, you know, shows up on the farm. He's doing great. Uh and, but he goes out and he's talking to the sheep and they explain to him and it, but his first friend on the farm is uh, are these dogs basically mm-hmm. um uh, it's fly and her pack of puppies um and and he becomes friends with them first when he first kind of shows up on the farm and then he eventually becomes friends with the sheep and stuff and the sheep are explaining to him that the dogs who they call wolves um are like cruel and like mm-hmm. evil and you know because they're the hurting animals and they like snip you know bite them and stuff and and they're and they're predators and that sort of thing um and so the sheep are like you know on one side saying no they're evil and cruel and then on the other side the the dogs are like sheep are dumb and stupid and blah 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 and he, he kind of has the rug pulled out from under him and in and that the dogs who he's been friends with he, he gets told no they're actually awful and evil and the movie's resolution of that is he just goes home that day and flies like no we're we're not or something like i don't remember exactly how how that resolves but it's it's a very i was a little disappointed that he she basically is just like no it's it's no and he's like okay like and i never doubted him again or whatever it's like the voiceover and it's very strange and i want to know if that that tension was from the book and how it's resolved if it is in the book it's similar, but I wouldn't say it's the same. Okay. I didn't feel like Babe had a moment of doubt or, like, tension and, like, not knowing who to believe. Yeah. Now, it is from the book that the sheep consider all dogs wolves. They don't, like, really make a distinction. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, they do kind of. Like, Ma at one point says, like, some wolves will kill you. Um, uh, then she's like, but that fly, she's just rude. Yeah. But they don't really make a distinction. Like all dogs are wolves to them. And the dogs definitely consider the sheep to be just stupid. Yeah. Like sub creatures basically. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't say there's that tension of babe, like not knowing who, 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 yeah, who to believe or like what side of the story to buy into. Yeah. And I think, you know, throughout the story where he interacts with the sheep a little bit more, he just kind of comes to realize on his own that, like, they're not actually stupid. Yeah. You just have to be nice to them. Yeah. And and the dogs aren't all cruel or whatever. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. Because in the movie, I was a little disappointed. Like I said, I, that scene, I feel like she just talks to him and he's like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. well, never mind then. But it, it does kind of come back later, like it because there are those other dogs eventually. And it's. This movie goes some interesting places, which I have some notes about later in terms of like this, this allegory we're kind of setting. It's like, it's almost, it's like racial, but not, mm-hmm. you could read it a lot of different ways. You it's could very read a lot of different ways. Um, I do think that the movie maybe tried to expand on what was in the book in regards to like that specific tension, but maybe didn't really know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, 
I don't know if they didn't know what to do with it. Because I think there's a reading of it, a more modern reading, perhaps, that I think is potentially interesting. I don't even know. It's we'll 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 uh we'll get there. I have notes later. Uh, the mechanical rooster heist. There's a little vignette in the movie that's a lot of fun, where uh, the duck is uh, found his calling in the world, which is being a rooster. Mm-hmm. And but he can't do it. Uh, he's he's going to be out of a job because they have a an alarm clock, which he calls a mechanical rooster, and he needs a babe's help to steal the the mechanical rooster. And it's a fun little scene, uh, like little heist scene. And I wanted to know if that was in the book. It's not in the book disappointing that's fun <laughs> it seemed like it could have been right out of the book yeah uh hugo weaving the dog discriminator in chief um which i thought was interesting because it, i just want to know if that character uh rex i believe is his name is in the book he's like he rules from on high and he's like i guess he's fly's husband like partner yeah it seems like um, also he's, he's got very strict rules about how ducks should behave like ducks and, you know, not mm-hmm. think he's a rooster. And, maintaining the caste system. Yeah. Maintaining the, the, yeah, the status quo and the system and stuff like that. And I wanted to know if Hugo Weaving, discriminator, dog in chief is in the book. Rex the dog is not in the book. Now the theme of everyone staying in their place is kind of present, just by virtue of it being about a pig who wants to do the work of a dog. Yeah. But the movie really amps that up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have this big dramatic scene, you know, with dramatic lighting of of, of Rex sitting on a hay bale, like holding court. And yeah, it is like, like a courtroom scene. It's almost like a courtroom scene or like a like a, you know, like a sort of like dictator speech, mm-hmm. like, you know, the sheep and all. He goes on a rant about how like all birds are stupid, basically. Like yeah. talking about. Uh, He's going through listing all the different types of animals that are stupid and like all the animals that are smart. You know, it's very like uh, eugenics like weird, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Like you said, cast and cast um, system enforcement and like everybody staying in their proper places and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, that that you're saying the elements of that are there, but the, the movie turns it into like a full on. Yeah, the movie turns it into a full-on thematic element, whereas in the book, it's just kind of suggested. Inherent in the... Yeah, it's inherent in the narrative. Yeah. Uh, So this, we talked about it earlier, about how this movie kind of seems like it's it's out of time and place, for that matter. Uh, And I was wondering if the book is similar in that the movie blew my mind all of a sudden. It's probably about halfway through where their their grandkids show up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a second. When does this take place? Because the grandkids come sh- show up fully decked out in like '90s kid clothes. Yeah, like you know, like, and I was like, wait, because it it looks like we're in like any time English countryside for the last <laughs> two hundred years or so. You know what I mean? Like, we could have been, uh, you could have been watching this story happen any time in the English countryside for the last two hundred years, probably. And again, I think that's very intentional. And I wondered if the movie or if the book also took place at a like in the 80s when it was written mm-hmm. uh, or if we have any way to know that or if or if they're doing a similar thing to the movie where anyways, what, what do you think? It's kind of similar. I don't think there are any dates ever mentioned in the book, although, like I said, it was published in the 80s. The Hoggets do have a phone and a TV. Okay. Which they do in the movie. Yeah, they have both in, uh, in the They're movie. both are very old. Yeah. Which 
adds to that. Yeah. Uh, like, honestly, I think the book could be taking place anywhere from, like, the 50s to the 90s. Yeah. Like, just a- anywhere in that half-century span. Yeah. Absolutely. And the movie, very similarly, until the kids show up, and literally only the kids. Because mm-hmm. even at the end, at the the dog show, you know, the, the herding show, everybody in the crowd, everything, it could could be any time any time period uh you know what i mean and yeah all the buildings and everything we see uh, everything other than those two little kids and it, again yeah. very intentional and i thought it was an interesting idea uh and really clever to do that to make it just completely like because it is one of those things where on farms and in situations like this they are kind of like stuck in whatever right i think it makes perfect sense because they yeah they live on this small like kind of secluded farm in the yeah. english countryside and yeah they're still doing things in a very old-fashioned kind of way yeah and and even the, like and even the town that we see at the end is very similar and the mm-hmm. carnival all of that like carnival could have been any time again from the 50s to the 90s or whatever yeah. you can't really tell when that carnival would have necessarily taken place um and yeah all the people at the end because it is one of those smaller towns where time has kind of passed it by but those kids they're the they're the avatars of, you know, <laughs> the future of the 90s <laughs> coming <laughs> coming to mess things up. And I misread this, but now I'm I'm reading your explanation. It's making a little more sense uh, at what was going on here. But there's a moment where he's looking out. They're looking out their window and they see uh, there's a bunch of chickens in the yard. And there's all the brown chickens are sh- split into one side and all the white chickens are split into the other side. And Farmer Hoggett says, look at them, the browns and the whites all split up or something like that and everybody else kind of just has a look on their face in the scene i think the, i think it's just his wife maybe Are the kids there i can't remember and i was like what a, did i miss the context for the scene and i'm thinking i did <laughs> because i thought it was just like a weird racial like, like yeah. um, comment on weird racial i had no <laughs> I, the way he says look at them the browns and the whites and they're like split into two th- and i'm like but what is the meaning i don't even get i yeah so that scene is not in the book there is, I think I'm, I'm remembering now, like something almost similar-ish, where in the book there's a couple points where Babe is like trying to learn to herd by like sorting the ducks. Mm. And I think he tries to do it by color, but he can't really do it because he hasn't figured out the method of just asking them yet. Right. And I think in the movie, this was meant to show that Babe has some kind of natural aptitude for herding. I missed Babe. Which also doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I think I missed Babe being in that scene. And like, I was taking a note and didn't see him doing that. And then I I just heard this line and looked up and saw the chicken split up. And I was like, what is the context (laughs) for this? What is it? This is very strange. And again, there are a ton of other like, segregation type of you know thematic elements throughout Mm -hmm. you know a commentary on segregation and and uh oh my god all animals are equal but some animals are more equal than others yes yes but no um (laughs) uh um like not assumptions about people uh stereotypes and Mm -hmm. stuff like you know uh, stereotypes about uh, the different types of animals and stuff like that and so there's tons of that throughout this movie and so i thought this was another element of that but i just didn't get where it fit into that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that uh that element of the story it was very strange but uh yeah it makes more sense if he was just you know splitting up the chickens and i just missed that uh so this there's a line where when when babe is finally learning how to how to <laughs> herd mm-hmm. uh fly is trying to teach him and she's explaining 
you have to, quote, insult them, abuse them, bend them to your will. And it's very interesting, uh, this whole conflict of the dog's nature of them feeling superior and like they dom- they can dominate sheep versus babe being kind and asking to them. I want to know if that element's in there, but specifically that line about Fly, who's, quote, one of the good dogs, end quote, being mm-hmm. like, insult them, abuse them, bend them to your will. If that specific line or anything similar comes from the book, because I thought that was interesting and I want to talk about it. I don't recall that that specific line is in the book. There are definitely some similar moments, but I would say that the movie goes more intense with this idea. But that that is basically the main thesis of the book, right? That Fly is prejudiced against the sheep, um, considers them to be stupid sub-creatures, and Babe is able to easily have them do what he needs them to do by not buying into that and by simply being kind and polite yeah. and treating them humanely. Yeah. Because... <laughs> My and maybe this is as good a place to talk about it as any. I have the note later, but I think there's a really interesting reading of this, not as a story about like say racial like mm-hmm. um, tension, because that seems at first pass like ob- like yeah. like that's the obvious like they have they have both have preconceived notions about the other. The sheep have ideas about the dogs. The dogs have ideas about the sheep. The tension there, blah blah blah. But I actually think it's maybe more interesting, at least the movie, as a reading on (laughs) – what did I write here? Uh, A leftist critique of Babe, uh, semicolon, or a subtitle, all sheepdogs are bad in this essay, I will – but, like, as a a reading of, like, uh, police and, like, Mm -hmm. the capital structure and police as an enforcement of the capital structure that currently exists. Because, actually, to me, it almost makes more sense reading the dogs as police – yeah. As opposed to like oh, yeah. white people or black or whatever. And the sheep as any, you know, uh, impoverished community, you know, take your pick, black people, poor people, and you know, again, any impoverished community. And it is, I thought it was interesting that even like, like I was talking about Fly, who is our good dog in this, you know, like is, is not right. as evil as like those other dogs that show up and kill Ma later uh, in the movie. Um or even as bad as Rex. Or even as bad as Rex, yeah. But even still, she, as part of this system and yeah. this power structure, is like, insult them, abuse them, bend them to your will. And I was like, this is interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I think that, no, I think that works totally. It's, it then becomes this message about, like, even a quote-unquote good cop yeah. is upholding a yeah. corrupt system. Yeah, exactly. And I and I do think it, it does it does slightly change the delivery of... Which I actually think the movie, from my memory, doesn't actually end up in the place where you would think that, like, okay, on a traditional reading of this narrative as, like, a racial thing, or, mm-hmm. like, the, the again, the more obvious reading of this narrative or thematic element as, like, a racial thing, you would see at the end, like, the story would resolve with, like, oh, the dogs realize the sheep aren't stupid, mm-hmm. and they're just, you know, they're, they're smart like they are, and the sheep realize that the dogs aren't, like, savage, you know, like, murderous, evil, mm-hmm. whatever, but I don't feel like the sheep ever get to that realization. Like, don't ever come to that in the movie. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think there is where it makes it a more interesting <laughs> and <laughs> and realistic um, sort of, again, if you're if you're reading it through a lens of like, yeah, a, 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 um, a critique of uh, the police structure <laughs> of the United States specifically. I think that actually 
I was watching it. I was like, is that the purpose? This is way too early for this to be. <laughs> I mean, it's 95. It's post Rodney King. So it's not like entirely yeah. out of the realm of possibility that this was the know. lens we're going that is through. An interesting question because I think for 95, a kind of milk toast doesn't really work when you poke at it a little bit. Racial allegory in a kids movie yeah. makes way more makes sense. Makes way more way sense. More Absolutely. Sense. And I'm sure that's what they were going. Like, I'm sure yeah. that's what this is because that's what is more, uh, you think from the book, you, the vibe you kind of get at least a little bit, you think? or no? Yeah, I think it, that's more in line with, yeah. with what the book is. And I agree. And yeah, and I think that's what they were probably going for, most likely. Then again, it was co-written by George Miller, who's a very right. forward-thinking motherfucker. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it wouldn't surprise me if there were some elements of, of maybe that wasn't, I don't know. I would be really interested yeah. to watch a... Uh, Wait, were you asking me if I felt like there was a racial allegory in the book? Yeah. No. No, you don't I, think I so? I don't think so. Okay. Sorry, I got confused. Sorry, yeah, that is what me. I was asking. And and so you don't think so? So No, I don't think that's So the movie manufactured the that this tension or this whole narrative a little bit more... Right. Or at least well, dialed it up a little yeah, bit Yeah, and, and let me be clear. I think you could read that into the book... But I don't necessarily think it is a strong theme that is definitely present. That, and you can't you can't for sure guarantee authorial intent in the same way. Yes. It's the same way that you can in the movie. That whether the movie was doing a, a critique of you know racism or a critique of uh, uh, capitalist and for a police enforcement enforcement of a capital system, uh, you can't really decide which of those in the movie. But one of those. For sure, mm -hmm. the movie had a point of view on and yes. it was like coming across. Whereas and in the book, maybe not so much. You honestly, yeah, I think you could you could read that into the book, but I think the book was definitely surface level. Mm -hmm. It's a the much gentler message of be kind to everyone. Yeah. yeah right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of the more even more milk toast like. Yeah. Can't we all just be friends? Yeah, interesting. But yeah, I that that whole met, the whole the whole. It's like I felt like I was like, boy, this is even more like um, poignant than I feel like they probably thought it was yeah. when they made it in 1995. It felt incredibly forward, like ahead of its time in relation to like the current discussion going on uh, in relation to uh, policing in America. It was very but fascinating. While we're on this subject, yeah. I have a couple lines that I wrote down that I feel like. Yeah, go for it. One thing that I noted was, I think this is, this is either when Fly is talking to the sheep, trying to figure out who attacked and killed Ma. Mm -hmm. Like if it was Babe or if it was if something else happened yeah. or this is at the end when Rex is trying to get like the password from them. I cannot remember when this happens, okay. um, but the the sheep and the dog like face each other down and the narrator says it was a cold fact of nature that sheep were stupid. And then it like flips over to the sheep and it, it was a cold fact of nature that wolves were ignorant. Yes. Which I thought I liked it. Like yeah. I, I liked that kind of like parallelism. Yeah. Um, I do think that works better if we go with the police state reading. I think it works a little bit better. Okay. A, a little bit. Yeah. Because I think if we go with the racial allegory, that sets it up to be far too like even on each side for my liking. 
Does it? I feel like it. It's a cool fact to make sure that sheeps are stupid. Because I remember that line. I think yeah. it is at the end when Fly comes to ask for the password, I think. I mm-hmm. think. Um, it's a cool fact to make sure that sheeps are, 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 are sheep are stupid. And it's a cool fact to make sure that, that wolves are uh, ignorant. But uh, the movie is being ironic. And the fact is that neither of them are those things. Right. So I think it's. I guess it. I don't know. I see what you're saying. I think I see what you're saying, but I, I don't know if it works. So uh, the idea being that the sheep aren't stupid uh, and in our, in our, in our police state narrative would be that the, again, whatever impoverished group that is under currently under heel is not in fact stupid and, you know, we're, uh, and less than and subhuman or whatever. And, and that cops are not in fact ignorant. <laughs> well, no. Okay. Not when you say it like that. Yeah. Um, I guess, the idea, like, because what the movie is asking us to do here is to, like, look at them as individuals and not as, like, a monolith. Right. And I guess that just bothers me a little bit more with the racial allegory than it does with the police allegory. Yeah. But I guess it works equally not well for yeah. either. I'm not sure it works super well for either. And I think it either way, it's a little... It, 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 I think either way, that line, while that line is kind of funny and almost like it feels like a Doug Adams or a Douglas Adams kind of line, like with the yeah, narrator, it, does. like it doesn't feel like a Douglas Adams kind of line. But 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 in the narrative we set up, or at least our reading of it, where one side is, in fact, it works in a very milk toast. Can't we all just get along? Yeah. Sort of way. It doesn't necessarily work that the, that line, the, those two lines don't necessarily work in like a scathing indictment of. Right. Of either like privilege or like white privilege or whatever, or, or the police state, because it does, it makes them an equal, it makes both sides like sort of equally ridiculous. And like, they they both assume equally ridiculous things about the other. Whereas in our, our reading of it, that's not like one side is just, you know, one side is correct and one side is not. Yeah. Um, You know, and so I don't know if it works in a more nuanced reading right but it does work in a more kids friendly like hey white people other brown people let we both think some dumb things let's let's get over it and be friends kind of way you know what i mean yeah yeah the the other line that i had written down was um at one point rex the dog says um i think it's rex who says this maybe it's the horse i don't know um, says the only way you'll find happiness is to accept the way things are. It's to accept that the way things are is the way things are. To which the duck responds, "The way things are stink." Yeah. Yeah. No. There's. <clears throat> it does feel like a time. Like the movie's message gets muddled a little bit, but it, mm-hmm. it it does feel absolutely throughout throughout a lot of the film is an absolutely sort of. <laughs> Uh, presenting a leftist thesis of 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 the world and being like, here, children, <laughs> let me smuggle this class critique and 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 status quo uh, uh, critique of the status quo into your um, into your fun time your talking, fun animal, talking movie. animal movie. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely has a lot of things going on, which makes a lot, which you know you would imagine being the case again from a, a, a George Miller involved right. piece. He doesn't really do like. surface level movies you know what for the 90s 
if we're trying if that's what we're trying to do is smuggle like a more leftist message yeah. into this movie it's almost brilliant to make it seem like a surface level milk yes. toast racial critique yeah yeah because that it, in the 90s yeah we yeah. like oh, that everybody was on board with yeah. that everybody's on board with the milk as long as it a, doesn't like a, actually challenge a anything vaguely liberal great. milk toast like yeah can't we all just get along type of thing yeah. and again I, and that's why it's funny because that time and i wonder how much is you know who knows how much is tempered by studio versus right. the actual i don't know and i don't even know fucking george miller's actual political beliefs he may be a milk toast liberal i don't think he is <laughs> but he might be um because you know the messaging in a lot of his films doesn't seem to or at least the, the, my two favorite of his films that I've seen so far. I, I haven't seen Happy Feet in a long time, so I don't know <laughs> what the what the messaging in Happy Feet is. But uh, and, you know, in Fury Road, in this, it's um, there's definitely a lot of messaging that you can mm-hmm. easily, without any stretch, read through a leftist lens and get be like, wow, all right, <laughs> I see, I see what you're yeah. putting out there, George Miller and Associated Writers. He wasn't even the main writer on this film, but he was involved, so. Yeah, it's really interesting. It is. Uh, it was a super fascinating thing to watch this movie again as an adult, um, and kind of interpreting it through completely different lens than I would have even five or six years ago, let alone as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we move right from uh, Fly, uh, a critique of Fly being just this is a cop. All cops are bad. <laughs> All dogs are bad. Um, from uh, from that to uh, Rex. <laughs> Uh, again another scathing indictment uh, again uh, more evidence that this is in fact actually a movie about cops <laughs> is that rex then proceeds to assault his wife <laughs> yeah which uh in case you weren't aware is incredibly high rate among police officers but that happens like right after this so like wow this, all right now we're i mean they're fighting like it's whatever but he like attacks her mm-hmm uh, and I wanted to know if that scene, well, Rex isn't in the book. So yeah, Rex that isn't in the book. It seemed like an incredibly intense scene for Very intense, what I imagined yeah. this book was. I didn't feel to me like based on the cover that we're going into like <laughs> dog spousal abuse in that book. So uh, and then they sedate Rex, which is wild. It's a, apparently a sedation that lasts a magical amount of time. Yeah, I I don't know because I had a note about this later, but I'll just bring it up now. I not to be harsh. Yeah, but I did grow up in the country, mm-hmm. and I feel like Rex would have gotten taken out back. Oh, because yeah, point. he like bites. Because uh, he he attacked the other dog, and then he attacks, and then he bites the farmer. farmer yeah. As far as the humans know, out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. They don't know what his motivations no. are in this moment. <laughs> they don't have his tragic backstory. <laughs> um, well, I guess they do, actually, but yeah. they just don't think of it that way, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree, but uh, and apparently there's a magic sedation pill. That's, I, yeah. That's probably, honestly, in the first draft, they probably did kill him, and then they are yeah. like, guys, <laughs> too dark. <laughs> This is the kids movie. <laughs> He's not even the main character. We can't just kill a random dog in your, in this kids movie. But yeah, so they 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 muzzle him and sedate him. Uh but then we find out Rex's tragic backstory and obviously Rex isn't in the book so it's not in the or, so his backstory isn't in the book. Um but apparently his backstory in the film is that he was, you know, he was a sheepdog and he was out and all these sheep died in a storm under his watch because they're stupid and he's mad mm-hmm. about it and he also got uh, went deaf or yeah. something because he got buried under a 
landslide or something like that. He he was in a flood. They yeah. show him like clinging to a branch. Yeah. So and I guess I don't, somehow I don't that know. affected his hearing. But yeah, yeah, he can't hear now. So that's why he's so angry all the time. Uh, moving on, uh, I want I mentioned earlier, but Ma gets murdered by some rogue dogs, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know if that happened in the book. Yes, it does. Wow. There is a very similar scene with wild dogs that attack the flock, and Babe saves them, but Ma does end up dying from her injuries. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, And then (laughs) the farmer comes across this scene and seems to think Babe somehow murdered Ma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is going to take him out into the shed and put him down. And he does this in the film by grabbing a shotgun and loading it and pointing it at a tiny pig's face. And I was like, he's a pig. I feel like you would just butcher, like kill him like you would a pig, which I don't think is a shotgun to the face normally. If I had to guess, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe it's better. Maybe it's quicker. I honestly don't know. It may be more humane, but I wanted to know if that's what happens and any of that happens in the book because it's in, in wild in the film. All right. So I have some thoughts on everything you just said. Okay. First off, yes, that scene is exactly as it happens in the book. Uh, right down to Babe thinking that he's getting some kind of treat yeah. uh, and then being saved by a last minute phone call about the dogs. Yeah. Now, it's not discussed in the book why Farmer Hoggett, uh, his response is to, like, go get his shotgun. But I do think that that could potentially be showing that Farmer Hoggett really does think of him as, like, a dog at this point. Because if your dog turned on your sheep, that's absolutely what would happen. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if your dog murdered, started murdering your sheep, yeah, they would just kill it for sure. Now, I will grant you that Babe being able to fatally wound Ma seems unlikely. Seems <laughs> unlikely in the movie. Yeah, because yeah, because in the movie, what we have is a magical pig that doesn't grow. Yeah, he's just a tiny little. Despite the clear passage of time, yes. we have a magical pig that doesn't grow. In the book, Babe grows up. Ah, so by the time this happens, he's. A big pig. Okay. He's he's big pig, and he's also been, like, running around and already herding sheep. So yeah. he's not just a big pig. He's, like, a lean, muscular pig. Yeah. He's, he's like, more probably more like a wild pig than, like, what you would think of as, like, a typical farm pig. Yeah. Like, he's not loafing around in the mud. Right. And also, I don't know if you're aware, but big pigs are scary. Oh uh, no! Boy. I'm aware. I'm aware that pigs and hogs and stuff are wild. Yeah, pigs, no, no, no. Pigs are terrifying for sure. I I'm not saying that. I was just because yeah, in the movie he's like a tiny little pig. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just I couldn't was... couldn't place how he potentially had murdered. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just because Let me he's so see small. If I can find and Ma's not particularly small. Yeah, no, she's a she's an old lady sheep, pretty big. So uh, first, he couldn't help noticing how he had grown, not fatter, as a sty-kept pig would have done, but stronger and more wiry. There was nothing of the piglet about him anymore. He looked lean and racy and hard-muscled, and he was now almost as big as the sheep he herded. Yeah. 
So that's where we are with Babe yeah. at this point in the story. And then... I would the, bet the movie's explanation for why he's not is that they do at the beginning call him a runt. And yeah. I assume there already is. Like, oh, he's just never... He's, he's not growing up. He's a small pig. Yeah. Sure. Now, this this whole, like, sequence where the, the dogs attack the sheep um, and then Babe almost is put down because of this, mm-hmm. uh, this is definitely, like, the darkest right. thing to happen in this whole book. Um, this is and, your end of act two, like... Yeah. And may, maybe the, the most graphic thing in this book, when he's fighting the dogs, uh, Babe chopped at it with his terrible pig's bite... The bite that grips and tears, and now it was not sheep's blood that was spilled. (laughs) Babe out here murdering feral dogs. Yeah, going after those feral dogs. Uh, I mean, pig teeth are pretty wicked. No, yeah, I I, again, I I I agree. I understand. Uh, I'm aware. Uh, Yeah, it's just interesting because he yeah he's a little 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 tiny pig. Yeah, it it comes off as much more unbelievable in the movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one's about a line. I also just had this thought that, like, going back to the this reading as a, a an allegory of policing is turns out. So all dogs are bad, even Fly, who's a good dog, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. And the only thing that can fix this whole solution is, in fact, a different type. You can't have a, a the fact that it's a good cop doesn't matter. You actually need a completely different, um, a completely different system, a, a different system, which is is where Babe comes along as a non cop to show up and become <laughs> a you know a public safety like yeah. official or whatever. It's very interesting. Like it actually works on like lots of levels. Very interesting. Uh, th- this line because I'd never heard it and wanted to know if it was a thing. The in the film, uh, mm-hmm. there there's a cat. Who's angry at Babe about uh, destroying? Yeah, babe gets let in the house, and oh. then the cat scratches him, and the cat gets put out. The cat gets put so out, so the cat is mad. mad about that. Yeah, and the line in the film says, "Beware the bad cat bearing a grudge." Yes, and I was like, <laughs> which the movie calls an old adage. Yes. And I tried Googling it, and only the movie comes okay. up. Okay. So. so, and it's not in the book? It's not in the okay. book. I, there's not a cat character at all in the book. Like, I, I don't even remember. It might be briefly mentioned that they have a cat inside. Yeah. But it, the, there's not a character who's a cat. Okay. I just thought it was really interesting, because it's like, it's, maybe it's from the book, because I've never heard this saying. I don't <laughs> beware the bad cat bearing grudge. All right, fine. Uh, very specific. Yes, it saying. is. Saying. Yeah. Uh, the farmer, uh, Farmer Haggett, Hoggett, Hoggett, mm-hmm. uh, he's, uh, he's, he has a scene in the film where he dances in jubilation, in joy, and it's such an interesting scene, and I wanted to know if that's from the book, because it felt so strange in the film that it had to be like a moment from the book. I don't know. It felt to me like something they're keeping in from the book for fans of like the moment where the like I was imagining like there's like an illustration or something of mm-hmm. like the farmer like because the way he like jumps and spins in the he, film like, does a jig. Yes, yeah. he does like a very specific jig and, and and it just all of it felt very surreal to me. And I was wondering <laughs> if it was from the book. I don't recall there being any point where he dances in the book. All right. So it's just a movie. Why is he dancing in the movie? I can't even recall now. Uh, is it because babe is successfully hurting sheep 
I can't remember. I don't remember because he's inside. I don't know. Yeah. He just dances. Well, that's what I, I mean. Remember. Like, is it after, like, Babes has successfully heard or I don't remember. I honestly don't know. I don't remember, but it's such an interesting scene. Okay. Wait, is it, um, is it after, because Babe runs away at one point and then they, because the, the cat tells him that he's meant to be eaten. Yeah, he's meant to be eaten. And Babe runs away because he's upset by this. Yeah. Um, and they, they end up finding him, um, but then he's so despondent and he won't eat. And then the vet comes out and is like, I don't know why he won't eat, but if he doesn't, you're going to lose him. I think So right. is it after he starts eating I again? I think it might be, yes. I think that might be it. I think that's it. Isn't yeah? It's just he just does a whole whole ass jig in his living room or in his yeah his kitchen. I was like, all right, have fun, man. And I mean, the (laughs) idea there is just like, you know, is that that babe has brought joy to all you know, yes, to to this family. He's brought joy to the farm. Yes, exactly. And it's it's a fun little scene. It's just it was just interesting. Uh, so we get to the big final, you know, the big climactic moment is is Babe has got to go perform in this sheep herding competition, but these sheep don't know him and they mm-hmm. won't listen to him. And so they got to figure out a solution. And it turns out in the film that there's a password. Uh, Rex goes and negotiates with the sheep on the farm and talks to them. And they give him a password in exchange for... Uh, as the dogs treating them well and not being mean to him anymore. And when they give them this password, it's like this strange sheep chant that sounds kind of culty and weird. And all mm-hmm. of this, I was like this. I mean, it's interesting and I get it works. Cause the reason they want to get, they like babe. And then they're able to use it. Like it all works. It's just, I wasn't expecting like this weird culty chant being a thing that would be the th- reason that Babe can ultimately herd the sheep at the... It felt kind of convoluted. I don't mm-hmm. know. And I wanted to know if that's what happened in the book. So this is from the book. Fly asks the sheep at one point if there's anything that will help Babe win the tournament um, because she's worried about the sheep being unfamiliar. Um, and they tell her the password. So the idea here is that if they hear this password coming from Babe, they'll know that he's trustworthy. Mm. Um, and now it's not so like culty and chanty in the okay. book. It sounds more like a nursery rhyme. So what it is in the book is I may be you, I may be ram, I may be mutton, I may be lamb, but on the hoof or on the hook, I ain't so stupid as I look. Okay. So to me, that sounds more like like a little nursery rhyme or yeah. something than what we get in the movie. Yeah, and there's in the movie they got it's it's like a they repeat this one word that's like you. It's ba ram you. Ba ram you. That's it. Ba ram you. And it's like yeah, that sounds like it's like a like a cult chant or something. Yeah. You know, or like a. <laughs> there's no rule in the book that says a pig can't herd sheep. Uh, that's how we res- resolve everything. They're, at first, they're not going to let Babe compete in the competition, but then they find out. They go before the 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 sheep herding tribunal at this <laughs> competition, and uh, turns out there's no rule in the book that says a pig can't herd sheep. So pi- a Babe is able to to compete. Is that how it goes down in the book? Basically, yeah. There's not like a dramatically lit trial room scene, <laughs> but it does play out similarly. The officials acknowledge that there's no rule disallowing it, and everyone laughs as yeah. Babe goes out onto the field. I think the movie does amp it up some. Yeah, because when they go out there, the whole crowd is just like losing yeah. their, 
their shit over just this. like big belly laughs yeah uh but but it is basically the same yeah okay uh because it you know it's obviously it's the uh it's the air bud scene like it's mm-hmm. just you know and no rule in the book that says dog can't play basketball so you gotta let him play basketball <laughs> Um, and then after, uh, so Babe gets out there and they start doing their thing. Everybody's laughing. And then as soon as Babe starts hurting the sheep, it goes deadly silent. You could hear a pin drop. I love the way the movie does this. Like they cut out every sound except for like the very soft pitter patter yeah. of the, of, of the sheep and, and pig feet going around this corral and it's adorable and it's very funny. Uh, and the way it's shot too, with like those, these like cut ins of the farmer just standing there. And like the sheep slowly walking past him in the background on TV. Uh, it's all great. It's all handled very well. And it made me laugh a lot. And I was wondering if they pulled any of that inspiration from the book. The book does mention that the crowd eventually fell silent while watching Babe herd the sheep. So that's what it would sound like. Yeah. We would just hear the pitter just patter of the, the feet. The pitter patter of little hooves. Yep. <laughs> little hooves. Uh, and then he, so he gets he gets through. He rounds all the sheep up, gets them into the corral. Everybody go. The crowd goes wild, loses their mind. He gets a perfect score from every judge, mm. hundreds and across the board. Uh, and then Farmer Hoggett turns to him and says, "That'll do, pig. That'll do." And that's the last line of our movie. And obviously, we had to know. I mean, it's the one of the most famous line mm. from the movie. Is it in the book? Yes, it is. And it is also the very last line in the book. So the movie was like, boom, you already got our perfect ending. <laughs> we don't need anything else. There you go. Fantastic. Glad they kept that. That's fun. Or it's it's fun to know that that was, in fact, in the book because it is such a an iconic line mm-hmm. from the film. All righty. Oh, I actually have one more question that I forgot to ask because I wanted to know, does Farmer Hoggett sing to 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 Babe when he's sick? No, he doesn't. So that's a scene people like in the movie. I just wanted to ask, but we'll find we'll talk more about stuff later. All right, let's find out what was better in the book. You like to read? Oh yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. I mentioned it earlier when uh, Babe and Farmer Hoggett first meet at the carnival. Um, it's pretty much the same, except in the movie, Babe peas mm-hmm. as he when he has he's holding him up and I, I thought that was just such a 90s movie it really edition. is it's really it's so 90s kids movie yeah unnecessary completely unnecessary in the book there are more scenes with we see fly teaching her puppies how to herd she has them practice on the ducks yeah i don't feel like I really cared for the insertion of their family visiting for Christmas and then like the bratty kids. I didn't feel like it it doesn't add a whole lot. I didn't feel it. I felt like like the only purpose it served was to get the fax machine there. But we didn't really need to see him sending in the the forms no like the so for for me there was no real reason yeah to like slip that in there yeah i guess the fax machine seemed like it because there's like a isn't there like a ticking clock kind of situation at the end with the forms Mm. he can't just mail them maybe i'm misremembering i don't remember because i was like yeah because he could have just if you wanted us to see him filling in the forms he could still do it and just mail it like 
I, yeah, I, I don't think we even need to see him send them off at all. Well, I assume they wanted to just to show the part because it's the only time we really see it where they they write. Because I mean, it's if for no other reason than the like sort sort of visual joke when he when they it's like the name of the dog and he just writes in pig. Right. But I yeah. I don't but know. I I think we could have just seen him filling them out. Right. Yes. And that would have been enough. Right. Yeah, I agree. In the book, Babe actually does save the sheep from the sheep rustlers. They don't get away with any of the sheep. Uh, the result of that scene is basically the same as it is in the movie that like endears him yeah. to the family. Um, but he does save all the sheep. We also see Fly attempting to teach Babe how to herd in the book, which we kind of get in the movie, but it's not really the same thing. Yeah. I mentioned this before, uh, and I totally get the movie wanting to keep Babe as a cute little piggy, adorable. Yeah. But he does grow up in the book, like I said, and I do think that makes more sense, especially given the things that he does later on in the story. Yeah, for sure. I don't necessarily have an issue with the addition of Rex's character to this story, but I think his arc is kind of weak. He goes from grumpy to basically rabid on a hair trigger. Mm -hmm. And then his flaws are kind of hand waved away with a tragic backstory. And I don't know that his about face where he helps find and then proceeds to encourage Babe makes any sense. It, it makes sense narratively for it to happen and for it to happen at that point in the plot line. Yeah. But I don't think it was particularly well set up by the story. No, cause we don't, he just gets sedated and then he just like eventually. Yeah. And then he, when babe is again. missing, he just like gets up and like helps. goes, helps and yeah. helps find there's him. There's not really any like growth for like, there's yeah, nothing we that don't happens see we any see. kind of like turning point for him or like character progression. He gets Unless I'm misremembering. I, I maybe the drugs changed his brain. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I also did not care for the movie's blatant cat slander. Yeah, definitely uh this movie's more of a fan of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and find out what was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson hugo not the one i thought it would happy endings only happen in the movies i thought the start with the critique of the pork industry was really interesting mm -hmm. uh definitely something that would have been very upsetting to me as a kid yeah i liked the addition of more animals to this story uh, the book is basically just sheep sheep dogs and babe with brief mention of ducks and I think a horse, yeah. but they aren't really characters. I thought utilizing more farm animals was more interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought the addition of the duck who wants to be a rooster was interesting. Not sure how I feel about the character itself, because it does seem to me like a typical annoying 90s kids movie character. Yeah. But I liked using him to plant and then expand on the idea of wanting a role other than what was assigned to you. Mm -hmm. I also liked the heist segment to get the mechanical rooster slash alarm clock. Mm -hmm. 
And I liked the trial scene with Rex and the emphasis on knowing your place. I really enjoyed the expansion of that theme, which, like I said, is kind of present in the background of the book, but not really commented on or utilized to mm -hmm. its full potential. So I liked the way that the movie pushed that. Yeah. I liked the scene where Farmer Hoggett sings to Babe. I thought that was really cute. Mm -hmm. I also thought that when he danced, it was like a nice moment. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, in the book, they find out what the magical sheep password is ahead of time, like way, oh. like way before they go to the trials. Fly thinks of this and is like, you know, this might be an issue. Yeah. So she goes to talk to the sheep. Yeah. But I liked making it like a last minute challenge yeah. that was part of the climax. Part of the climax, yeah. It just makes it more thrilling. Yeah. When it yeah, when it comes through and and the day is saved. All right, we've got a few things that the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things here and there that were definitely from the book. Um one thing specifically when a farmer Hoggett um ends up signing up to win the pig. He says, he just says like, don't keep pigs. Mm -hmm. um, and that's directly from the book. Mrs. Hoggett being super excited about pork products eventually on down the line is also from the book. The exchange between babe and fly when she asks for his name um, and he initially gives her his breed. And then she's like, no, what did your mom call you? That's like almost verbatim from the book yeah and then the little heart rendering moment i want my mom <laughs> yeah and then fly is like okay yeah i'm gonna mother you now <laughs> I'm adopt you now <laughs> you're mine uh, and the little puppy being like but who wet the bed <laughs> uh when he first meets ma and he says what are you i'm a you Oh, the, the who's on first yeah, like, the joke. Little, yeah, the little who's on first joke there. Yeah. That's directly from the book. Uh, and I remember that specifically from the trailer yeah. that I mentioned in the prequel episode. Yeah. Because that that bit is in the trailer. Mm -hmm. When he's like, no, what are you? And she's yeah. like, I'm a you. I'm a you. I remember that because it confused me <laughs> as a kid because i did not know that female sheep were, were called, called ewes. ewes yeah and i was like i remember like thinking about that like what does that what mean? Does mean i don't what is the joke i don't understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it definitely makes more sense reading it mm -hmm. although if i had read this book as a kid i don't i, I don't yeah, know I don't if, if i still would have gotten you, it right, right because yeah. i probably would have said ew, ew or, because you yeah. is spelled e w e yeah. so ew Anyway, uh, the moment where Farmer Hoggett is filling out the forms in the mm -hmm. book, he's concerned. He's like, oh, if it says name of dog, I'm not going to be able to enter him because then I'd be lying yeah. on this form. But then it just says, like, entry name. Yeah. And he puts down pig. pig. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the very end... I didn't think this was going to be in the movie because when they're at the sheepdog trials in the book, it's like pouring rain. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, it's, it's just like kind of overcast. Yeah. Um, but as Babe finishes up with his herding tasks in the book, a single ray of sunshine breaks mm -hmm. through the clouds down onto the field. And illuminates him. And illuminates him. 
And that also happens yeah, in the movie. It happens in the movie right at the end. He gets a uh, babe gets a spotlight from on high. Uh, <laughs> and I could have told you that was going to happen after watching. If I had known, like, if I had known that was in the book, I could have told you that would probably happen from watching the rest of this movie and the way light is used. Because mm-hmm. the movie, this movie uses the shit out of light, and we're going to talk about it more right now in our odds and ends. So the cinematography in this movie is way more interesting than I had any expectations of. Uh, And it starts right on the opening credits with this like kind of cool, slow sequence of panning across this wall that's like very dramatically lit. And there's Mm -hmm. all these like pig. It's almost kind of creepy. It is almost kind of creepy. There's like all these different pig forms of art it's like pictures yes. and stuff and then some of them are like like little tchotchkes yeah and, and then, then some of them occasionally move and like kind of like mm-hmm. a stop motion way and it, yeah it is almost kind of creepy but it's really interesting and like cool and reminds me of it almost reminded me of, i don't even know i'm trying to think uh it reminded me of a, a, a an eccentric 90s film like <laughs> I, I like delicatessen or something which is a Jean-Pierre Junette film, the guy who did Amelie. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a movie before that, before Amelie called Delicatessen. Something, I don't know. There was just elements of it, of that, uh, that opening scene reminded me of other movies that I'd seen. And, and a lot of this movie did at different times. But the cinematography was blowing my mind throughout most of the film. And very early on, I looked up, like, I was like, who shot this movie? <laughs> Because uh, the director is Christopher Newton. He's not really like he hasn't had a very super prolific career in terms of like a bunch of movies people have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously the director works with the cinematographer and other people to create, you know, what the movie you're seeing. Um, but the cinematographer has, especially in terms of the lighting and stuff, has a lot, you know, a lot of say in what's going on. The main say in what's going on there. And I looked it up and it, the guy's name is Andrew Lesney. It's the guy who shot all the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm, there I was it like, is. oh, okay. There it is. <laughs> uh, he shot all the Lord of the Rings movies, all the Hobbit movies, uh, uh, King Kong, uh, uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, uh, and, and a ton of other stuff. But I was like, oh, okay. And it, yeah, it just it was like, that makes sense. Because <laughs> there is some real hard, hardcore Shire energy yeah. in a lot of the farm shots yeah. that we get. The like slow panning camera moving through like on a hill in the foreground with like the little cottage in the background as like a cart rolls through or whatever. It's like I'm in the yeah, Shire. I feel like he really, he cut his Shire teeth yes. on this movie. <laughs> on this movie, absolutely, yeah. It also makes sense though because he's probably based out of Australia or mm-hmm. New Zealand and then, you know, yeah, makes sense that he yeah. would know Peter Jackson. So we talked about the talking animals, and I thought for the most part, the special effects held up pretty well. I thought they held up incredibly. But occasionally, you can really tell what an animal is animatronic. Yes. Uh, No, you definitely can. The one time that I thought it was super noticeable, I thought it still worked and they they hid it in shadow. But when they go, Babe and the goose go into um, Mm -hmm. like a little doghouse or something. Yeah. And the goose animatronic, it's moving very clearly like, yeah, like a puppet. Like <laughs> There is one other moment early on with the puppies where they just looked like, oh. like I could tell they were puppets. Like yeah. the fur looked very fake. Yeah. yeah but overall, I thought I was, I was very blown away by how, especially mm-hmm. the mouth animation. Um, yeah. Because the puppets and the, and the animatronics I was expecting to look good because it was Henson Puppet Shop and, you know, we're at the 
peak honestly the back end of the peak of like yeah using puppets in movies and stuff like that so i was like i'm sure that'll look good but the mouth moving on the real animals i was like hmm let's see and it looked great <laughs> like I, I thought it looked fantastic so we talked about this movie being kind of out of time and out of place yeah and i just want to know where the heck they're supposed to be living that it's not even remotely winter on christmas yeah because, again, it does feel like the English countryside. Yeah, yeah. And I know it was filmed in Australia. Yes. I know that. But they really they really put zero effort yeah. into making it look like December in the English countryside. No. Which, to my understanding, is gray and rainy. Yes, generally speaking, yeah. Unless you go way north, then you get some snow, like, a, yeah, yeah. like Scotland and stuff. But, yeah, it's <laughs> mostly gray and rainy, from my understanding. Uh, yeah, I thought that, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's like oh, I I, I would have had no idea it was Christmas if they hadn't said, said it was Christmas, Christmas yeah. as soon as the kids got out of the car. Yeah, I also thought it was really uh, I, again talking about the cinematography. It's like half my notes, but like the, the I thought it was striking how every shot in this movie apparently it's always golden hour on yeah. this farm. <laughs> like every shot other than like four, it is sunset. Or sunrise. Yeah, so the sun is always either coming up or going down. Or just getting ready to go down. Every shot is is light pouring in from the sun. This golden light pouring in from uh you know from a ninety degree angle coming in from the side. Um, that's for non film people. That that hour before sunset and the hour after sun. Well, kind of right around sunrise. Basically, it's called golden hour. Um, because you get the most dramatic, the most um, flattering, beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. cinematic lighting comes during those times of day because for a ton of reasons. But the angle it's coming at, the the amount of like atmosphere it's diffusing through, the colors you get, the sh you get long shadows on everything. It's all very dramatic and very cinematic. Um, and yeah, like every shot in this movie, it's like, which makes actually does make sense on a farm because yeah. That's mostly when you do stuff on a farm. Like, not mostly, but you do a right, lot of like, stuff yeah, at sunrise yeah, you, and you do a you lot of stuff at, at sunset. With the sun. And yeah. And you do a lot of work then because it's the least hot times mm -hmm. of day, you know? Like, you're not, you don't do a ton of work at, at high noon. You try to get it done when it's sunrise and sunset because it's not as warm at those times. And so it does make a lot of sense. Uh, it's just, it also makes for a very pretty movie. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we talk briefly about. The attempt at inserting, like, what what is even the word I want here? Like a world building uh, mythology for the sheepdogs. Oh, yeah. Yes, this, that was very interesting. That was very confusing. They talk about how Rex came from the ancient bloodline of something but who is what it sounds something. like it says yeah but it's just that one line yeah where Re rex says to fly because he's mad about babe doing sheepdog work yeah and he's like we're descended from the bloodline of ancient we were both like what wow and then they never, never even, bring nothing, it up again ever brought up again just never explained who is bahu we don't know I think it's a it's a rather clever little moment of world building of like just yeah the these dogs have this their history that we're just not <laughs> privy to you know what I mean it makes sense I think it works 
Uh, I thought they did a little. Uh, I thought it was really clever, and I noticed it a lot. And I'm sure most people. No, I don't say most people wouldn't, but definitely kids wouldn't notice it. How much this movie would slow down, speed up, and then like reverse shots to get the mm. animals to do what they want over the course of the movie. Quite a few times, I would notice a shot that was. I was like, oh, they ran that forward, and then they stopped it, and then they reversed it back. Like you can see if you're paying attention, you can see the movement. Like you know go play to play through forward and then stop and then reverse back yeah. like and play through it backwards and you yeah and then also like they were speeding up animals at times they were speeding up the footage other times they were slowing it down to get the animals movements to match what they're trying mm-hmm. like whatever the the dialogue or you know whatever's happening in that scene uh, there was a lot of manipulation of the footage to like tweak it into a performance, which I thought was really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you said kids. I didn't notice that. Well, that's why I said a lot of people wouldn't <laughs> notice it. It's most yeah. noticeable if you sit in front of a computer screen editing all day, which I do. So, like, <laughs> but for a lot of people, yeah, you wouldn't notice. But I, there was a ton of it, a ton of, mm-hmm. yeah, subtle massaging of the, the footage to make the performances work, which I thought was kind of cool. Okay, so my next note is about the cat's voice. Oh, God, yes. We both have this note. The cat is moaning Myrtle. Oh, do forgive me for scratching you, dear. I got a bit carried away. <laughs> but it's not. But it's not. <laughs> we looked it up. We were like, we're both like, we're that's like, moaning well, Myrtle. That's moaning Myrtle. That's absolutely moaning <laughs> yeah, Myrtle. It's moaning but Myrtle. then we go, we head over to IMDb and it's not moaning it's a Myrtle. Completely different actress. A much older actress. Yeah. And now, like, I, I gotta wonder, was the actress who played Moaning Myrtle doing, doing this cat? This cat. It sure sounds like it. It really sounds like it. Really it really sounds like it. Or maybe that actress also, because it could be an English actress, and maybe that actress has always done a voice like that, or is that's like mm-hmm. a, and, and maybe this other, because uh, the actress who plays Moaning Myrtle is English, maybe she, you know as an homage or something like who knows like maybe yeah. she's like a popular enough um english actress that that moaning myrtle's actress was like you know doing a yeah yeah maybe an homage i don't know it is interesting because it's the exact <laughs> same voice it's it's identical it's it's uncanny it is uncanny we both both like that has to be moaning myrtle how is that not i i checked the (laughs) i had to check the credits like three times making sure i wasn't missing a cat or something yeah that like i was clicking on the only cat in the cast and it was and it's i was like that wow how is that not moaning myrtle uh there's speaking we mentioned earlier but the the fact that the guy who shot this is the guy who shot lord of the rings there is an identical shot i feel like (laughs) to the moment uh in fellowship of the ring when uh during Gandalf or bilbo's party where the fireworks are going mm-hmm. off there is a shot in this movie of fireworks going off and then we cut to a close-up of two kids in the foreground like watching them and laughing or like yeah. you know like watch enjoying the fireworks and it is identical <laughs> to a shot from fellowship of the ring in fellowship of the ring the two kids i'm 99 sure are played by peter jackson's kids i think that's the only difference between these two shots is that <laughs> this is not peter jackson's kids because they weren't born yet probably <laughs> or if they were they were like little tiny babies um but yeah it's it's wild how similar it is my last note here is an interesting thing that i noticed that the movie didn't address directly 
but it kind of let it simmer in the background was that Mrs. Hoggett wins awards all the time for like her jams and her pies and stuff. She has like this giant shelf of awards in the house. And then I thought that was interesting, like set up in the background against Farmer Hoggett being so clearly invested in yeah. the idea of winning the sheepdog trial. I miss that, yeah. Like, I just, like, they came off to me as this idea of, like, him being like, I want a trophy to put on the trophy shelf. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I missed that completely, but, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, because it definitely is never, like, outright no. brought up yeah. or mentioned. But, yeah, subtle little details that they threw in there. The, uh... The narrator, um, I found his voice so delightful. It's like has this gravelly warmth that mm. reminded me a lot of Peter Falk in The Princess Bride. Yeah, when he's doing the narration, uh, something about it, it was uh, so nice. When narration works well. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really is just, and we'll talk about it more here after your final verdict. But it's such a delightful film. It, it really is so delightful, and I really did enjoy it a lot. Uh, I also felt like it might be a good early spring movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, glad we got to do this. It feels in, like, like a good spring time. movie. Um, I could see it playing in well in most times of year, uh, but it definitely feels like maybe a good spring movie because we get a lot of that. Like I said, the you get especially the post a post um, uh, what you might call it uh, where we change the clocks. <laughs> <laughs> daylight savings a post daylight savings movie because you get you get a lot more golden hour like Mm -hmm. you know and so it it does uh it definitely works but you still it still seems it's still cool enough where like there's like a crisp in the air because like it's the english countryside so it's always going to be cool there yeah good good early spring film there you go uh oh oh and then it's the last shot i have one more comment about the cinematography (laughs) that's that shot uh during the trial at the sheepdog scene you mentioned it earlier but it's so cool and it's so much cooler than it has any right being in this kid's film. So much of the cinematography, like I said, is just I was blown away by how fantastic it was. Everything is lit freaking beautifully, like constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just like, you, you didn't have to go so hard on this talking animal movie. <laughs> Mr. Cinematographer Andrew Lesney, but you did, and you got Lord of the Rings because of it. So well done. <laughs> like he didn't have to, but he did that for us. He did that for us, and then he did it for himself because then he got to. I don't know if this is why he got to work on Lord of the Rings, but I can. I mean, there's definitely, like we said, yeah. there's definitely some uh, some parallels. I'm sure he also probably worked with Peter Jackson on right. other stuff before. I don't. I didn't look at all his exact um, filmography and how he came to you know work on Lord of the Rings, but. There's a lot of details in this film that that translate to a film like Lord of the Rings. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of action that he's filming. Obviously, that would be its own thing. But in terms of like uh, this, the pastoral setting of like the Shire and stuff, and then also working with animals and effects and yeah. all that sort of stuff is a very distinct thing to have knowledge about and all that sort of. And he, you know, obviously you'd get a lot of that on this. So yeah, it's go hard on every project, and eventually you'll <laughs> go from working on Babe to working on. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right, it's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. I thought this book was really cute. And I thought that it had great messages about treating everyone with kindness and courtesy. It's an easy read. And definitely something that I would recommend for kids. 
That said, I think the movie just had more weight to it. It did a good job with expanding on both the story and the themes and the addition of critiquing the meat industry and kind of just meat eating in general yeah, a little bit. was yeah. an interesting, if obvious, change. The movie took the raw material from the book and I think made it into a more memorable story with stronger messages. And for those reasons, I'm going to give this one to the movie. Yeah, having not read the book, I'd have to agree because, like I said, I thought this movie was fantastic. I was expecting it to be good, and mm-hmm. but it did, and we talked about in the prequel how it was nominated for a ton of awards, and I understand now why it was nominated for Best Picture. Because in my head, I did not think this movie would look like it did, yeah. which was one of the, was the thing that blew me away the most because I expected it to be like a fun kids movie. And then obviously, so it looks stunning and gorgeous like a, an Oscar you know caliber film. Um, which I wasn't expecting, but then also layer on top of that, the the way you can watch and interpret this film, mm-hmm. I guarantee if you go out there, there if there aren't video essays about this movie, there should be because yeah. it definitely has a lot of layers, uh, and especially uh, if looking back at it from 2020, 2021, uh, it definitely has a lot to say on some interesting topics that maybe they weren't even anticipating mm-hmm. at the time, which makes it that much more of a uh, of an impressive film. Uh, and yeah, it's very, very, very good. But also just a cute movie. You just watch it and it's cute and it'll make you feel good. <laughs> All right. Before we get to what is up next, I want to let you know that you can head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us for two, five or $15 a month. You get access to bonus things at each level, including at the $15 level. You get access to priority recommendation, which is why we did babe for <laughs> That person who now I can't recall their... Oh, they get their second jab on yes. Friday or something Thank like that. Thank you again for recommending that we do Babe. Mm-hmm. This was a fun episode. I enjoyed both the book and the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and at the $5 level, you get access to bonus content, which last month we talked about Tyler Perry's Acrimony. This month, we're doing a double feature. We will be talking about Contagion and Outbreak. Two pandemic movies... Uh, here at hopefully the tail end of the pandemic um <laughs> going out and seeing we'll be able to Knock compare on wood yes. right now yep. uh this is very as is actual good hard hard yeah, wood this here is like this real wood real solid uh, i can't remember what kyle made it out of <laughs> real real wood kyle really wanted to make a table out of expensive wood this is not a cheap table that we're <laughs> sitting between <laughs> right now um yeah, so the, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, Contagion and Outbreak, we'll be able to compare that to our actual experience in a pandemic and see uh, see which one of those movies did a better job uh, portraying the reality that we're currently living in. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's going to do it. But before we go, Katie, what's next? Up next, we will be covering The Born Identity. Bum, bum, bum. Novel by Robert Ludlum and the 2002 film. Starring matt damon yes yes uh the born identity i've seen the movie i've seen the first two movies never read the novel uh and you're just beginning to read the novel. i'm beginning to read the novel i have never seen the movie um i'm kind of excited because all i really know about these films is like the very basic premise yeah I don't really know anything about them. I have seen the first movie or two, and I could only tell you the premise because I remember almost nothing about them. (laughs) I know 
yeah, the premise. All right, apparently did not make an impression. Well, I did. I saw it when it came, I saw it when I was fifteen or whatever when it came out. Like, and I haven't seen it since then. It's. It, I will say it's one of those movies that I wouldn't. I don't. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't gone back to watch over yeah. and over again because it's not like it's 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 not like James Bond in that it's like a ton of fun. It has like fun action scenes, but it's not like it's not like a campy fun action film. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's a spy thriller um, with Matt Damon like beating people up with books and scissors and newspapers and stuff things to look forward to (laughs) yeah Uh, so yes in two weeks time we're talking about the born identity and in one week's time we'll have a prequel for the born identity so come back then get everybody's feedback on babe uh and uh yeah some other fun stuff we'll learn something until that time guys gals non-binary everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies and and keep keep being awesome. awesome